I said, there's my boy. Yo, yo. How we doing, big guy? Chilling, how you living? I'm good, man. Not like you on the West Coast, though. Shit, it's hot out here. It's raining out here. I'm trying to switch. I came oh. out here for the rain, goddamn. I'm, I'm seeing the sun right now. That's crazy, ain't it? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, man. How's everything on the Charlotte side? You still working at the same spot? I am, bro. Just got off work. Oh, yeah. Living. Got this little bit of Sonic. Came home. Missing it. There's nothing. There is no fast food in the area I live in. Good. You want fast food, you got to drive like 30 minutes. Yeah, they tag you. I lie. There's a McDonald's. But that's it. I'd be their number one customer. I'm a sucker for fast food. <laughs> I'm too lazy to cook sometimes. I can't. I can cook. Actually, pretty, pretty fucking good. But I'm just so fucking lazy about it. I don't like going to the store. Sometimes I'm too tired to cook. I'm like, fuck it, man. This shit on my way home. Exactly. But yeah, man, uh, I ain't put this on the lineup, but I just wanted to go ahead and maybe we can drop this a cold open or whatever. But bro, since we both Duke fans, man, how you feel about Big K? So he done. Honestly, truthfully, and like from the bottom of my heart, I'm a little bit glad. Same. I think it's better to, you know, choose your own fate than to let it run its own course. And uh, obviously you and I both know that the past few years haven't been the best of anything. Um, So, yeah, man, I'm actually kind of glad. Plus, now that I have moved out here, you know, I've kind of distanced myself away from – the Duke following anyway, so maybe I could just leave all together with my boy Coach K right off into the sunset. You gonna be a, a Oregon boy, Washington boy? Nah, nah. I might just, I might just do what I've been doing with the NBA, man, and just enjoy it for what it is. Turn it up, man. Absolutely. It must be a uh, liberating, I should say, to not. <laughs> Deal with the stress of watching niggas shoot twenty five percent three. I tell you what, the good days are better, and the bad days are non existent. Like damn, I watched this fucking blow a game to Wake Forest, and I was like, yeah, I don't know how to keep doing this shit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But how do you feel about it? Like I said, just like you, man. I, it was, it's time. It was starting to become apparent last year, even though last year was far and away one of the, you know, most oddball seasons ever, you know, with the whole, the team getting hit with the opponents having COVID, missing almost damn near a month, or was it over a month of playtime. They only played those, you know, what, four games in the beginning of the season were like two and two. 
got smoked by the other comp by the uh like Michigan State and can't remember who else it was, but yeah, it just wasn't looking good. And I'm like, yeah, normally you see at least K is able to rally his team like that mid season point. You see that development kick in. Like the year before, you know, they had that little same issue. But, you know, Vernon Carey, and so he got over the hump. Trey Jones, you know, was basically eating that team by himself for a little minute. (laughs) Absolutely. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like when you don't see it, it becomes very apparent. It was like maybe – I don't know if it was the season or if it was him, but especially him losing the – with the three transfers. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Jalen going, you know, leaving the, like, mid-season. I think this, this might be the last straw for K. Absolutely. And, I mean, again, it could have been way worse. Losing Jamin Breakfield. Losing, uh, who's the other one they lost? Patrick Tate. Top eight. Yeah. Let me say his name. Losing him. There's another one that I'm missing. I can't, you know, definitely remember who. DJ Stewart's coming back, right? I'm honestly not even sure. Not even sure. Not even sure. A name in there that that was lost in. (laughs) Was it Coleman? Was it Henry Coleman? Might have been Henry Coleman. I think it was Henry Coleman. I think it was Henry Coleman. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things where – with the ups and downs of a season like that, you know, that can just mentally just be like, yeah, maybe your absolute best days are behind you. I do think it's a good call for him to get in front of it at the beginning of the season. And like you said, don't, you know, attack it instead of letting it run its course on you. Absolutely. That talk was already starting to creep up last year. And, you know, it's always one of those things where you sit at – the pedestal, you sit atop the pedestal for so long, you feel like you never have to come down. And you you see it with kind of – you kind of saw it with Beheim, kind of saw it with Roy. You know, once you hit that slope on coming down, you know, once you hit your peak and then you end up going on the other side of the mountain, it's a lot faster than the come up was. Yeah. It happens almost before your eyes. I would just hate to get to that point where niggas are begging him to retire like a bobby. Yeah, absolutely. Like, please take this money and get out of here. Bob Knight was losing his shit before he retired. But And, I mean, he always kind of lost his shit, though. So, it, it ran, it, it, it's on par. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very on brand, but it was just a bad look because they weren't – like, extremely good anymore. Yeah, right. And he was at Texas Tech at the time. He wasn't even in Indiana, you know, still. Exactly. You know, I think, uh, good thing you mentioned Bayham. I was going to say, I think he's next. Very soon. If not the same year, maybe next year. I mean, once his son uh, is out of school, I think it's, uh, you know, boom, might as well end it, right? Is that the only reason that you think he stayed? Because I remember it was like four, three or four years ago he said he was going to try to retire. Absolutely. 
Yeah, but I think I mean I know I feel like if if that was me, that'd be the only reason I'd say. Same for you know how LeBron always says, I want to try to make it as long as you know to see Bronny play with me. You know, obviously if you can do it, you know if you can make it that long, that'd be the ultimate goal. Still got another what two three years for that, right? He's a sophomore. Yeah, tough. Gonna make it a a whole nother. What three seasons? Me personally, I don't think he can do it just because. And I mean, this isn't an indictment on him. It's actually kind of a good thing. <laughs> but I just think it's almost impossible to think a guy like that can play at that level for another three years. And I just don't think he's going to continue playing if it isn't at that level. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, he's not like gonna it's a go Dwayne Wade. Exactly. I don't think he's just going to ride it out if he's not, you know, the best of the best or at least up in that conversation. I don't think he's just going to keep going. But with it being so close, I mean, three seasons, he can sleepwalk that. He already kind of sleepwalks through the regular season anyway, you know, but it's got to be still heavy and on his body more and more as the days get older. I just think it's crazy to see him do it for another three whole seasons. How about you? I think he can do it, but like I said, it's just a matter of whatever his standard he wants to uphold, you know. I think he's absolutely he catches Kareem in total points. I think that's another goal that he's going to try to hit so he can say he's the greatest scorer of all time or the, the highest scorer of all time. So I, think, I, I think he's gonna, I was looking at uh, KD's possibility of that last night, and, you know, I – I think you're right on par with it, too. I think he could do it all in three seasons. LeBron um, become the most prolific scorer of all time and at that same time be able to run a season with his son. And I don't think he'll do a full season if he gets to that point. He'll be like, what, 40 at that point? Yeah. I think he yeah. Might, might give it training camp. It's a tour. Or, you know, it, it might be one of those commemorative, you know, I'm going to go to every city, do my little <laughs> – you know it's going to be a show with him. It's not going to be a sign-off. It's going to be something extensive, which is fine. You know, we've been watching him dominate for 20 years. He kind of deserves it. And at the – this is the highest age of technology at, with the coupled with the highest age of basketball. You know, it's going to be something extensive as fuck that we've never seen before. I need it, man. I need it bad. Yeah. <laughs> Injected into my veins. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I actually am a fan of LeBron, like himself, the person. It's y'all fuck niggas that be pissing me off talking about him that I dislike. But Absolutely. I like to see LeBron do, do good things. I just don't like to see him make y'all happy and piss yourselves. So, where's that? <laughs> Welcome to episode 74 of the Pickup Podcast. It's your boy Marcus here with your co-host Reggie. We're going to get right into it. NBA playoffs going on. Gave you a little bit about Coach K retiring. Got some other NBA executive moves going on. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
mama ain't shit no. She won't let me see my son Ho. But you fuck with him, mama pop my gun Pussy ain't no one-on-one <laughs> Nigga, we come from the slum Ma. 30 round, 50 round, 100 round Yeah, pussy boy, I'm drunk. drunk How you praying like a nun? Huh? I ain't never been an actor huh? Pat your nigga with that cap of shit We gon' stuff his ass like a cow The mayor, but she call me mouse Ooh. Got her to the spot, gave that bitch a perk Now she geeking like a banshee Ye. She couldn't even understand me huh? When I told her, drop a pen 448, I get them gone But it's a hundred million dollar phone They hit my jack, they say they need the strong Why you look broken, hey, you need a loan My nigga, I'm nice and you can have a loan Your bitch told me that was nice and then we bone No trying to cuff a nigga, know I'm gone Chop on the defense, boy, I'm in the zone Ain't gotta say it, you know how I'm coming Alright, man, so Straight off the bat, we got Game six for Phoenix in LA. Phoenix is up three two. LA's looking like they're in trouble. Your boy always damaged is not delivering. Anthony Day to Davis. <laughs> that boy always damaged. Always. Charles Barkley calling, man. I don't like that, man. It's uh I just gotta wonder, like, what's the long term goal? We just talked about it briefly, LeBron's, you know, prospect of long term the next three, four years. But what about your other guy up there? You know, that's your other max player, supposed to be, you know, younger than your past the torch, so to speak, for the face of the franchise. I mean, who? How do you pass the torch to someone that can't keep, you know, keep themselves in the race? They can't run. Oh, I, I, you know. I think anybody who bought into the this is going to be Anthony Davis's Hollywood scene after LeBron's gone, you know, that was fool's gold. This was all about coupling LeBron with the best talent you could for now. After the fact doesn't exist because me personally, we already saw in previous times that you can't really build a team solely around Anthony Davis. You can couple Anthony Davis with a superstar and have him be possibly the second guy, possibly if he's even healthy, but maybe not even that. It's Mm -hmm. just one of those things that you get to where it's like, obviously, dominant force on the blocks. Completely changes the game when he's in the game. Scoring, you know, he wants to do a little bit different than what we're seeing a little bit of, I want to be an outside player, but he can dominate the block. So I'm not going to discount him on what he can do. But you gotta be you gotta be on the floor to be a presence. You know, when LeBron's gone, there isn't there's gonna be much more of a, a key in on Anthony Davis. There's gonna be much more of a need for him to be healthy. And obviously I think you you pointed it right out. I don't think he will be. Therefore, it's kind of going to be a strong stretch down the road when LeBron does leave if they can't couple anybody with him. First of all, I should ask just straight up. For this series, do you see them having any chance of winning six and seven and getting out of here? If Anthony Davis plays healthy, then they have a chance tonight. Are they even announced if he's suiting up? He's still questionable. I think it's still questionable, and I think it's going to be a game-time decision, which game-time decisions with certain people always kind of strike me a little eh. Mm-hmm. With LeBron airing on the side of Anthony Davis, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, even if he plays, it's not going to be a huge indictment on the game's outcome. So I think they have a chance to win tonight, but I'm still, you know, 
if I had to bet on it, I would bet on the Suns. They look more they've looked more ready the entire season or sorry, the entire series. They've looked like the better team. And so they know you have to take this game tonight. <laughs> if you don't, you still have seven, but you don't want to rely on that. So me personally, I think they they strike by the iron's hot. And Anthony Davis's play doesn't really what'd you say? We're also assuming Chris Paul's health too. I think that's been a big factor wavering this series one way or the other. Absolutely. But the one thing that has kind of shaped my uh, outlook on the series and a positive note for the Suns is I didn't expect DeAndre Ayton to play half as good as he's been playing. He's actually been dominant to say out there. And that's, you know, something that me personally with the the anti-DeAndre Ayton feelings that I have, I just wasn't expecting it to be consistent throughout, and it has been. And that's something that I think will not only play into tonight's game, but will play into if Chris Paul cannot be a completely 100%. If you couple uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton's good play together like you have been all season or all series, regardless, I think they can take this game tonight. The iron is hot. The tide is rolling. I like the Suns tonight in six, and that's right on course for that. Yeah, I think uh, – think didn't we both say Suns in six last week? We episode? did. And it's so, funny, too, uh, because we both said Suns in six I said, and uh, Mavs in six. Yeah. So, and that's both right on par. <laughs> I had uh, – I remember you said the Celtics would get swept. I had them winning, too. They – obviously, they lost Kimba, and you already yeah. – on your last legs, you know, without Jalen Brown and basically Tatum putting the whole team on his back. I He earned a lot of respect, I think. Absolutely. Uh, going up against, obviously, like the super team of the East now, you know, going toe-to-toe, you know, three of your, like, what, top 10, 11 players in the league and going toe-to-toe with them, giving them 40s and 50. So, I mean, obviously, we know what Jason Tatum can do and, and willing them to a win. Uh, right. And I mean, you know, you kind of made that point as well. You said really for them to come out on top, he's going to have to average 50. And the game that he dropped 50 was the game that they won. <laughs> so it makes sense, you know. Uh, I just don't really see anybody beating the Nets. Uh, oh, I'm going to get to that real soon. But I want to go back to the West real quick. Talking about the absolutely. other series. Um, we're looking at Luca coming off another 40 point performance. He's. Seems to be doing most of the same uh, ball screen action. And they just can't stop it. He's either too big for Beverly. He's too quick for Kawhi if he switches on. Well, first of all, Kawhi's ducking him. Uh, Absolutely. That's another thing. If Paul George is switching on him, he's too quick for him. That step back is you just hope to God he misses. It's very slow motion. It's like James Harden underwater. You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) That's the perfect. That's it right there. That's it. It's It's right on point. (laughs) It's so like, but it's all at the same time. It's so smooth to watch. Every, every action is deliberate. He's in control of the game of the flow the entire time. And to be honest, he's really doing it without Przingis playing well at all or you know absolutely contributing this is remnant of 
and I hate to say it, but this is remnant of LeBron dragging what he had to drag to the NBA Finals. Like, and I don't mean to say play-wise particularly, but just looking at the sheer dominance on one side, you can, you know what's all you almost know what's going to happen, yet you can't stop it. You're at this point, you're praying that that 39 foot step back just misses, maybe just once. It's been three, four times tonight, but shit, maybe this time he'll miss it. Probably not. You you know, it gets to the point where no one else is a factor and the other team is well aware, yet they still can't stop you. And it's crazy to me that you have two, possibly three of the best defenders, or you three of the top 20, you know, defenders in the playoffs on the Clippers. Yeah. Especially got, on the perimeter, right? He's got – I think Kawhi has to take that challenge, but he's not. And he's not. And it kills me to say that even if Kawhi – I just don't understand why – shit, Kawhi's not. Well, PG's not. Well, let me say also on the flip side of that, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's giving him buckets. Absolutely. Clutch buckets at, at that. You know, Tim Hardaway's he's really – I mean, the, all season, the last two seasons, Tim Hardaway Jr., he's been – pretty clutch for the Mavs, um, especially ever since they uh, broke up the prospect of Dennis Smith and Luka playing together. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been the guy like, all right, this is our guy next to Luka. You know what I'm saying? Right. Ever since hey. he stepped into that role, he's been he's been a guy that I've re- really been excited about. Um, obviously stuck up in, the, in New York on the Knicks. Didn't get, you know, too much attention, but I, I, he's had some pretty <laughs> big games against us, and I, I could definitely see where the fit was working. It's paying off right now. Absolutely, I was just gonna mention that he had a green light on the Knicks. It just was all for naught. <laughs> he's just on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's exciting to see the revival of something coming out of the Mavs. It's not Luca, but you really have to. I mean, it's absurd that no one on the on the Clippers is stepping up to really fully take the challenge. And I mean, no one has in Kawhi. It's, it's blasphemy. <laughs> Honestly. And I don't think Kawhi necessarily cares about the legacy talk that everyone else does. Everyone two years ago, myself included was ready to say, all right, he's taking that next step, right? Like he just led them to a chip on his own, you know, so to speak in Toronto and a one year deal. Kawhi's going out west to L.A. He's going to be in the you know same city as LeBron. He took the challenge instead of joining him, right? And so this is going to elevate him into that next echelon. You know what I'm saying? That that all right, I'm challenging your goat status or that top ten spot. And I don't think he's really he look like he's just been kind of coasting it. And I know last year again was a weird year, COVID and all that shit, right? But this year is almost like no excuses, like. The league started a little bit later, and it was a little bit of a compressed season. So I know, like, you know, load management's always been Kawhi's deal, but, you know, health hasn't really been a factor throughout the majority of the season for them. Health is no, really absolutely. Right now, they're, they're, this is a team that's basically as healthy as they're going to be. And it seems like they just can't find the right pieces to the puzzle. And, you know, it's six not games not in, <laughs> yeah, six games in, you start questioning everything like, well, damn, what what was wrong last year? Whose fault really was it? What, what's going on? Because you're at the point where you've got everything you need. 
and again, I don't just see why if you want to win, it's clear what you need to do to beat the Mavs right now. It's very clear. I think anyone on the world could go right up a play that could at least have some insight as to what you need to do, and that's stop Luka Doncic. I mean, shit, do something. Triple team them, for God's sake, because the, the rest of the Mavs on the same par are not hitting the same shots to the, at the same level. Even when he's kicking those assists out, I mean, you can throw him off rhythm. Clearly, you can't. But there's got to be something that five men trained to do something about this guy <laughs> out there. There's clearly something. There's got to be this something. This is they can your do. job. <laughs> exactly. And like you said, it, it's like James Harden underwater. It is even like full fledged, I'm at 100% full speed James Harden. This is like a slowed down, remastered, chopped and screwed version. And <laughs> it's still just getting the hell off. It's almost getting off even worse. Uh, yes, I think because, well, I think it's the way that he attacks the basket. And I don't like to do this because it's very racial. Like, I don't like, because it's a lot of racial connotation to what I'm about to say. But a lot of, you know, it looks the way that he attacks, especially when he's coming off of ball screens and coming out of his ISOs. He attacks the defense so cerebrally. I don't want to say it like LeBron, but he, he really is like kind of like that LeBron factor you're talking about, right? It's like he sees the entire court, and there's always a right and a wrong play to be made off like off any situation. I was explaining this yesterday when we were actually talking about LeBron um, and how he comes off a ball screen, and it was like he drove in, into four people into the paint. And they're like, oh, well, you know, he collapsed the paint, and they stopped Bron. Like, no, they didn't stop Bron. Braun made the wrong read off the second dribble off the screen. But Lucas is doing the same thing, but making the right read. It's like, okay, well, if you're giving me the step back, I'm going to step back and shoot it and believe me. He's like, if you're going to play up on the step back, I'm going to step back, fake it, back you down, spin off, and then get to the get to my spot. And I'm either going to dish to Hardaway on the three or hit Krasinga's cutting. You know what I'm saying? It's so, you know, nuanced of the way that he's seeing the game. It's like he's actually reached that level a lot sooner than I thought he would reach it. And it's fucking amazing to watch right now. Like, we're, I think we're literally looking at like a legend in the making. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When it becomes that easy, this, this fast for somebody who already has a skill set that's beyond, you know, most people. And then you finally figure it out, you know, once it becomes easy for you. And like you said, I think we're watching it live. We're watching it happen because he's making the things that he's doing look so easy and so like, oh, so methodical. But really, it's just he's making the right move every time. Every single time. like, And it, it becomes something that you're seeing. And once you follow it truly, and then you see like something similar happen with somebody else yet, that they might have missed a step or they made the wrong read or whatever, you see the real, true, like, legendary of it. That there's, like you said, there's a right and a wrong answer every time. And he's consistently making the right moves. And it's insane that somebody at 22, you know, what's more to come? You know, what's next? What's the the roof is off of the cap right now? Yeah, see, my, my wow, thing, where do we go? I thought... I thought him coming in because remember we had this discussion when him and Trey Young were drafted. Yep, absolutely. Second two, uh, saying how I thought Luca was going to be the better rookie early, but Trey might have the higher ceiling, right? And I thought because he had the professional training 
uh, experience from playing in the uh, Euro League. Because okay, he's gonna have the shorter learning curve, but he might flatten off. Like no, fuck that. Like <laughs> fuck that right now. Absolutely, he's gone way through that already to me. Like I did not see this for him for maybe like another two seasons. Absolutely, and I think that they do get it done on uh, Game Six, and I think they close them out in six. Because I don't think uh, I think the Clippers' spirit's broken. I think the Clippers' spirits, locker room, manhood, I, there's a lot of things going wrong in there. And it's crazy to me because the Clippers aren't really truly playing bad when you think about it. They just but can't. they're damn sure not playing good. They're not <laughs> playing together. They're not, you know, it doesn't look like they even truly at this point want to win. And that's what was really beyond me when we, we get to, like, game two, three, four, going into game six, and the same shit. Even when they uh, – what was it, game four? Then I think they uh, they won. Yeah. And Luka was out there hobbled. Yeah. You have to win that game if you're the Clippers, right? You've got them right where you want them. Luka's playing torn up, obviously looking very disgruntled out there. The rest of the team is putting together their best above-average effort. And like you said, they're as healthy as can be. You've got to win that game, and they did. But even in that win, it didn't look like a spirited team. It didn't look like a team that's ready to, to come over the hill, right? Niggas looked like they were relieved they won. <laughs> right? It was like, whoo! Thank yeah. God it's <laughs> over. Well, it's the showers. Well, they didn't want to go to three one. That's all it was. It was just avoiding that three one. That's exactly. really all it was. <laughs> and you avoided it, and then you got you did it, and now it's like, oh shit, we got to see this man again. And it wasn't so smooth. <laughs> it was not so nice the next time you saw him. And that's the thing that kills me is that you saw him hobble. You got what you needed. Was the win. You you. It's clear that if he's not at his best, or if you hold him a little bit better than what his best is. You can squeak out a victory, and they still just can't fathom a stop. He responds with, what, 43 points on 37 shots? Like, come on. He, he shot – I think they were – if I remember correctly, I don't have it put in front of me, but I think they took 81 shots as a team, if I remember correctly. And he took 37 of them, and they won. Like, that's what, around 47, 40 – ish percent 47 percent ish yep of your shots from one man come on now you literally are getting ran by one person the whole one person's like here's what's even crazier about it too i get scoring but how about i think there was three occurrences where he didn't even score or assist on the play like Completely running through the offense. Completely running through Three. the offense. Pretty game. Like, insane. Insane. <laughs> I just don't understand. It, it, it could occur to me that this might happen, you know, when you're playing a team that might be a little outmatched, under-challenged, injured, hobbled. They don't have the resources, but we have all the resources here. You have a, what, uh, former defensive player of the year, two-time finals MVP. Like, <laughs> like it's not taking the challenge. You have another very talented perimeter defender. Shit, I thought that Patrick Beverly could eat, like, 
maybe even possibly. No, he said you're too fucking small. <laughs> in the first quarter. <laughs> this is Patrick Beverly that's deed up LeBron before. Exactly. Like the, he's the telling- one guy who you're like, shit, this guy might be undersized, but this is a fucking bulldog. If anybody's going to at least, you know, th- get in Luca's head a bit. Nah, well, buddy. no, Luca's doing what I always think LeBron, what I always want LeBron to do, which is just big body little niggas like that. Like, I, like LeBron yeah. loves to play, to, he likes to play to his opponents. Like, like he can do what he can break them at what they're best at, you know. Absolutely. What I'm saying? Like, but at the same time, Luca's like, no, I'm going to back you down, I'm going to put my 40 ish pounds difference to use and my about six inches of height difference to use, I'm going to back you down. I'm going to spin off the left side. I'm going to step back and hit a short corner <laughs> bank shot. Like, that shit was insane, man. And it's right on par, because what did you, you just do. say? <laughs> You're always making the right choice. <laughs> like, it's crazy. You take, Like, life gives you lemons, and he's like, shit, well, I'm drinking tonight. I got you <laughs> two goddamn. Like, <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. And who do they have up if if they win the the Jazz? Yes, I wanted to talk about them. Well, I don't really want to talk about them. I just want to say they looked. They they did, the best possible job you can do, of overcoming the same thing that we're talking about right now. Because John Morant was on that same around that same level. He doesn't exactly Absolutely. affect the rest of the team as much as Luka does, but the ball is in his hands a similar amount of time. He was making a lot of the right plays also. He just wasn't shooting as well in a couple of the uh, last games of the series. But John Morant, he's he's about to hit that next level as well, I believe. Oh, yes. And, and it's the, crazy, too, because... I'm experienced that, you know what I'm saying, that coming up against one a one-man show type team where, you know, you got one guy's giving you 40. And you're like, damn, he's averaging 30 for the series, 30 and 7. You know, it's not like, you know, I think Luca's going to be probably around that same, even though, Luke, like I said, Luca's different, but just, you know, I feel like, uh, and also having Gobert in the middle, that's the other thing. Their interior defense is not hitting on anything. Uh, the Clippers, not nearly the same way the Jazz are. And the no, Jazz absolutely. are shooting very well from the outside. They've been a really good uh, shooting team all season. So I think that's going to be a matchup, potential matchup for games I played yet. But the Mavs and the Jazz, talking about the second round, I need to see it, man. I feel like that could be like kind of who makes the finals. The Jazz or the Mavs-Jazz matchup? One of those two teams. I feel like they're looking like, to me, the two best teams playing ball right now. I don't think the Nuggets or Blazers are going to have it after this series. Because this series, that's, this is one of the greatest, you know, first-round series that we've seen in a minute. My Absolutely. Opinion. Dame Lillard, I, like, as much as I always, you know, I'll be picking at Dame Lillard because, you know, especially with the Steph comparison, it's like, no, Dame is fucking hooping. Like, you want to talk about playing Dame near a perfect game and losing in double overtime? Like, that is the closest I've seen to a perfect game for a point guard in the playoffs and they lost and it looked like his soul was just gone after that. And I wouldn't be I like as much as y'all was talking about grinding it out, you know, in Portland, he ain't ring chasing like, bro, there's at some point to me, it's like, like something's got to give, like you gave what you could give. You know what I'm saying? Like 
I don't think anyone would fault him at this point. No, absolutely not. I think this is when, like, you know, I think everyone will lose their hopes at the end of this run if it doesn't pan out, you know, uh, especially after that game. Because, like you said, closest you can pitch to a perfect game. And what I, I believe his teammates – after he nailed his final, what, 55th point, went on to miss the next nine shots or something. Like, <laughs> it was just some crazy, you know, yeah. what all can – I can't do everything, you know? And there's some games where it's like, yo, we tried. But, like, did they? Because, <laughs> I mean, it was Brick City for everyone but Damian Lillard. And then on the flip side of that, I think it's taken – Denver a whole lot more effort to put these guys away than it should be. And already without Murray, you know, Michael Porter, he's only – he's giving you some. He's not giving me enough of, of what I thought he would. He looked a little shook early on in the series, right? Kind of found himself in the middle, and I think this extra effort might be a little too much uh, going into the next round, especially if you got a, a team that's hot like the Mavs. So, I mean, I'm already projecting that the Mavs are winning because that's just who I believe. But if they run into the Mavs, yeah, I think the Mavs can get to the conference finals. Yeah, I think the the toughest test for oh, oh, hold up. both Wait. teams will be yeah, this matchup. Yeah, fuck that up. Who would they play? It'd be the Lakers, right? Lakers. Who? Lakers, Suns, and then Suns, Nuggets, or vice That's versa. Yeah, never mind. I said the Mavs. You know, no, the Mavs play the Jazz. We just talked about that. I thought you were moving on next to the in the final. Oh no! At any rate, either way, yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I do kind of agree with you now that we painted it out that not only is this going to be you know matchup to matchup, probably the toughest comparison uh, team to team for the Jazz and the Mavs. But I definitely think the team that prevails, uh, it's always hard to say, pending, the, you know, how the series looks. But looking at it from right now, I think depending on who prevails, they could definitely be our finals, uh, our Western Conference finals winner, just because the Lakers just don't have it to me, in my sure opinion. And I feel the same way as the Lakers I feel about the Nuggets. Um, pretty much about the same issues. And the Blazers, I don't feel like, are as talented enough as a team. Same with the Suns. The Suns have it, I think, but I don't think Chris Paul's shoulders holding up. He's. I don't he, think the Suns have it for this series right now, but I don't think, you know. I think the Suns are close, but looking like I feel like the Suns would lose in four to the Mavs right now. I mean. You think they are? I think they would in this in the same scenario. Yeah. If they were playing this current Mavs team, I think they would lose in four. Uh, just given the just given the complexion of how both teams play, and I just have never looked at the Suns' core as a good core. A lot of people will quite you know the best argument I always get about the Nets is, well, who do they have that's not blah 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 blah. Well, you start looking deep into other teams' rosters, and it's like, well, who do who do they have anyway? Like, regardless. And I never thought the Suns were a deep roster on set uh, in fit for a seven game series in the West. Um, that's just my personal opinion, though. 
I know the regular season showed otherwise, but once you got down this stretch, it becomes a pertinent that everyone is not only healthy, but at their best at every night. And they're just such a young, fragile squad that I don't think this atmosphere is uh, the best for that team. I mean, I'm not going to argue there. I think, well, the biggest factor, I think, for them in long-term success is you have to get consistent production from Mikael Bridges. Because he's so spotty, but when he's on is when they're on, is when I think they're at their most versatile on offense. Absolutely. So, but it's, when he's on, it, it's it's almost like shades of a baby Kawhi Leonard. He when has, he's on, because exactly, he's got a when he's on. mid like inside out mid range game. Right. Couple that with Booker, kind of on the opposite, like outside in, you know, three and driving. And then you got Chris Paul, pick and roll guy with Aiden. You know what I'm saying? Like you got so many moving pieces to that offense, right? And then Absolutely. even defensively, he's actually uh really stepped up, I think. Who? Bridges. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's it's just got to be one of those things where you stay up. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So like, because your low is still <laughs> your low, your floor is still down there. Yeah. <laughs> you got to stay off the floor, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the the next guy up in that position is Cam Johnson and the same story. When you're hot, you're hot. Sure, you can, you know, you can come out and flamethrow us one night, give us five unexpected threes, but the majority of nights, it's like it's subpar defense, not optimal offense. That can't happen in this atmosphere, you know, especially when there's a lot of, I think what Chris Paul and maybe Chris Paul, uh, at least of the people that matter, they get meaningful minutes are the only ones that have been in the playoffs ever. Oh, Chuck, uh, what's his name? Payne gave him some really good minutes in oh, game. Oh yeah, I, yeah, CPZ, my yeah. boy. Now he gave us what the game one, game two. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He's actually – I think I they need to do a 30 for 30 on everyone that was on the 2000 – I think it was 2017-2018 Chicago Bulls roster. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Talk about Rondo young stars. With, with, with who? Rondo and D-Wade, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that yes. Team was, <laughs> that was a Man, movie for sure. I think that was one of the most poorly coached teams ever. <laughs> like, ever. And comedy probably in the locker room. But, yeah, man, getting back to it, I just simply simply put, I just don't think the Suns have enough to take it all the way. I would love to be proved wrong, though. You know my underlying love for the Suns is probably why I'm giving it to them so hard right now. Correct. You know, but 13 back- years of disappointment will do it to you. <laughs> all right, take it back to the East, though. Um all right, so we already know the the Bucks. They got them boys out of here. The Nets, them meeting them in the second round, and you got the Sixers who just last night got to the second round. We still got, or and the Hawks got to the second round. So Is it Hawks versus Sixers? Huh? Is it going to be Hawks versus Sixers? I um, believe so. I'm going to be real with you, Chief. Yeah. I think the Hawks 
can take this series. Without and- Embiid, man, look. Without Embiid in the middle, you got – man, look, man. Because I think Embiid's defensive impact is very underrated for as great as he is offensively and on the boards. Um, yeah, his defensive impact is going to be sorely missed. Tobias Harris can only do so much on the boards. Only so much. Which Seth Curry, God bless you. Y'all know I love the Curry boys, especially the Duke one. But I don't see him giving you 30 every night. Shit, he just went 0 for 4 from 3 the game before that. You know? (laughs) I mean, like I said, it's one of those things where you're talking about consistency. And while the Hawks might not be as complete of a team, they are playing – everyone right now is playing pretty consistently, especially Trey Young. And Trey Young might even – he might not even be the most efficient. He's a – you know, he's a volume scorer. You know, what was some – I saw some call him uh, Les Curry. (laughs) Mm, mm. (laughs) You know, Steph, Steph, you know, about a 48, 43 kind of guy. You know, 48, 43, 90-ish kind of guy. You know, Trey's kind of like a 45, 38. 88 kind of guy, you know, somewhere around there. Hovering. Yeah, but he'll give it to you, you know. You keep putting the ball in his hands, he'll he'll make the plays. John got to be consistent in the, uh, on the boards, I think, because, uh, like I said, Trey's going to take a lot of shots. You're going to need a lot of uh, possessions. You want to limit as many transition opportunities as well. You force, force uh, Brooke you force uh, Philly into that half court set. Try to slow their game down. Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons running the break. You know, we don't need that. Not not for this team. <laughs> nah, you don't <laughs> need that. That's the last thing you guys want. <laughs> you force him into a half court set. You know, Ben Simmons will sometimes take himself out out of the offensive equation. Uh, defensively, I mean, I think that's going to be your biggest challenge is trying to get around Ben Simmons, which kind of crazy to say but in my mind he's the defensive player of the year for this year i don't even know if they've announced it yet but he is to me absolutely i think he is as well and you know i think that's where his his legacy and is going to end lie is to how he can disrupt every level of an offense it's clear that if he he can do that very young absolutely i think this is going to be one of those testaments and coming out parties if he can. And it's going to be something that he has to do, clearly, especially depending on how long Embiid is out. Um, I mean, they said a, a slight tear in the meniscus, and they say day-to-day, but... Slight tear in the meniscus and day-to-day don't go in the same sentence for a seven-footer. Yeah, I think if it was a regular season, I think they're just saying day-to-day because it's playoffs. If this is a regular season, I think you're looking at minimum three to four weeks. Yeah, and this is a guy who we're looking at who doesn't have the best knees. This With the history, we're looking, yeah, this is a bad history of both knees. <laughs> like, he's, I think he's like seven one two eighty at that. Exactly. You know, so I think this is a series that Ben Simmons is going to have to play his absolute best. But I'm not looking for him to be his absolute best on the offensive side. I just need for him to disrupt all three levels because you put it out there. Joel Embiid's defensive capabilities are going to be sorely missed. And the Hawks are going to exploit the shit out of that. 
the absolute <laughs> shit. I mean, they are go they are salivating at home right now, watching film, just thinking about the opportunity that they have afoot. And so, if I'm Ben Simmons, Wait, we saw I'm how putting Julia my shit on the line. Exactly. It, I mean, straight up chewed up and tossed out. So, I mean, if you want to do one thing, you're going to have to stop it at the front, and that's push the Hawks out of their games. Push them into a set. Push them into the fast break. You know, play it fast. Don't get stuck in that half-break set because we all know Ben Simmons will take himself out of a game just as fast as he will take you out of a game. Yeah. And then for the other series, that's the one that I think is kind of on a similar front. We're talking about what Ben Simmons can do to disrupt. There's a lot more to disrupt here, obviously, talking about the Nets. But Giannis is going to have to – I think his most effective measure is to take KD out of the equation, which is almost impossible. But if there's anyone physically built to do it, does it not have to be Giannis? Is it not Giannis? If there's anyone built, it's definitely Giannis. But here's the thing that we're going to need from Giannis every game. You're going to have to put your best foot forward on both sides. That 26 averaging a night off of 11 to 13 free throws isn't really going to be enough even if you're putting the clamps on KD, because you're not going to clamp them up all seven games or all four games or however many games they make it. And I'm saying make it because I think this shit is just as fast as it's going to begin. It's a rap stick. <laughs> I told you, I think the Nets have the easiest path because just as much as Giannis is capable, I think that is going to be their downfall. The Bucks are used to playing through the the – Legacy and through the greatness of Giannis, you take Giannis out of the equation. They actually overload. I mean, yeah, they actually have some some second. They have a two way ball handler, Drew Holiday. He's extremely effective. I mean, I think not buying it, huh? Not buying it. Not buying it. Come on, none of this. I'm just looking at what's on the other side. None of it is enough, and that's what I'm saying. Okay, you're You're gonna need other side. You got Kyrie Irving, right? Kyrie's on the other side, you have James Harden. Oh, yeah, okay. There's, there's no one for James Harden, in my opinion. Chris Middleton. I think, is be I think food. Drew Holiday is going to be on on James Harden. Drew, okay, that is food that you're asking for because you're going to put who on Kyrie? Middleton? Absolutely. Nah, man, you got to take Kyrie up. Kyrie is, oh, in my opinion, he is the spiritual, vocal, whatever leader. That that's why I'm putting my Kyrie. that's why I'm putting my work my least capable defender of the three of our two big threes we're comparing here, apples to oranges. I need to stop James Harden output outside of his scoring. Kyrie is him the, with the ball in his hands. Team right now. You need Kyrie to be if anyone's gonna be off, it's gonna be Kyrie. If Kyrie is off, the rest of the team will end up catering to Kyrie being off. I'm letting James Kyrie Harden, put up oh, 50. James give a fuck. James Harden be like, all right, Kyrie, you do it. <laughs> I'm letting Kyrie put up 50 in game. <laughs> um, if I am anybody. Kyrie's, Kyrie's playing the best, the most efficient ball of his life. James and Harden that's is- why I'm going to feed into it. Because oh, my you're, God. You are I'm going to feed into it. Exactly. I'm going to feed into it because we have seven games. There, there's So you know how we're looking at Luka's capabilities, right? And the whole thing I'm saying, all you have to do is completely 
take that facet out. I'm going to go in the opposite on this realm. I will make James because Harden beat me seven times. No, no. Because the more you make James Harden beat you, the more the cracks are going to slip. I am going to force the ball into Kyrie's hands and let that hot hand work simply because Kyrie is not a known facilitator. Kyrie is not a known damager. Kyrie can put up 50 points. Kyrie can kill me offensively. But I have Giannis. I have enough offensive firepower to withstand Kyrie alone. What I can't have happen is for Kyrie and one of the other two to get hot. One of the other two, anybody's on that team, really, to get hot. So if I'm going to let anybody cook me, I'm going to let Kyrie cook me, for sure. Okay, but then you're going to end up with, like, Kyrie and Joe Harris getting hot. That's and Joe cool. Harris can get 20. Joe Harris can give me 20. That, but I don't need 30 and 30 from James Harden and Kevin Durant either. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. But this is the thing. Any scenario is bad, right? Any puzzle piece we put into this could be bad on a hot night for the Brooklyn Nets. But what I'm saying, me personally, I'm going to take Kyrie out of the equation just because I think when the, the bread is getting buttered, he is the least threatening of the three, of the, the big three. In Brooklyn, That's but personally, crazy. I don't think anybody's going to stop. There's them. two of the big three with rings, and two of the big three have had significant gains in the finals, even ones that they didn't win, and one of them has not. And you want to talk about the other one is the least threatening? James Harden mm-hmm. is fucking playing lights out just as much as Kyrie Irving is right now. So until he gives me another glimpse of Houston James Harden, I'm going to say that... Give me a glimpse of Houston playoff James Harden if I'm the Bucks. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Give me a glimpse of that, sure. But until I see that, I don't want anything of his 20 and 20 nights or his 20 and 12 nights because them shits are much more damaging because four or five of those 12 James Harden assists are going to be those back-breaking goddamn buckets to you-know-who. KD or Kyrie Irving. It is June. (laughs) James Harden don't play in June. Oh, my God. All right. All right. All right. I forgot who we were talking about, but I'm still standing here. And, you know, either way, this in my true, true opinion, this conversation is useless. And it just goes to show how ridiculous the Nets team are because we're looking for who we are going – which of these three superstars can we put on a mantle tonight? Like Not you can't. Right. <laughs> like you really, really can't beat that. I and think that's y'all why agree I think that they have the for sure style. cannot be Kevin Durant. Absolutely. Oh, oh, for sure. If it's Kevin Durant, like at all, like I can, like just like you said, this series ends as fast as it started. Absolutely. I can't live with uh, Kevin Durant thirty and eight. <laughs> no, not even one night. Because Kevin Durant gonna give you thirty and eight on like fourteen shots. That ain't it. <laughs> not at all. What you need in your life, and you know, as much as I love how the Bucks play basketball, I think that when it comes down to games like this and series like this, they're gonna have to take it a little bit more mm. nitty gritty. You know, they play very organized, very simplistic style basketball through their star player. I'm going to need to see the likes of Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to step up their antics just a little bit more because Giannis is going to have his hands full on the defensive side. A lot of what we saw Chris Middleton doing in the beginning 
of uh, the last series they played was a lot of what we're going to need Chris Middleton to do all throughout this series, all throughout. Chris Middleton has flashes of, a, of an assassin. He's going to have to, like, fully come full Assassin's Creed in this series for them to sniff a win out. I mean, it's kind My of true, honest opinion. right now just because the Heat were so incredibly weak for that whole first round. So it's... We don't talk about that team anymore. They do not deserve to be talked about. question I was going to have. Okay, so if every team, every team that succeeded in the bubble this past October, right, they're all failing. Do you think that's an indictment on the bubble success or they had the shortest offseason? I'm going to look at the back end of that. I think the bubble was a great thing, and I don't think it's really that. I'm going to say it's going to be more of not only was that a weird kind of system to happen, but you couple that with a shorter offseason back into what is seemingly regular play but still not. Right. I think it's stressful for everybody involved, and so I think that's going to be more of a reason – as to why those teams are failing. But I also would like to look at simply uh, the Heat just got hot at the right time. <laughs> like, I don't think the Heat were ever that great. And uh, we all knew that once the – like, it was the Lakers' championship to lose, at the be- you know, from the start of it. So – They still could have won if uh, – or not won, but could have at least, I think, brought it to six or seven, or could have brought it to seven if uh, Drogic was healthy. And I was going to say if Bam wasn't playing, you know, weak, but he did that this year too. And so maybe that just might be who he is. Maybe we were just wrong. Maybe niggas lied to us. And I think we were lied to personally. <laughs> um, I don't think that it had anything to do with the style of the bubble, though. I think that actually that could be something moving forward that could be more beneficial for the playoffs. Obviously, it would never happen because they lose so much money. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I think it was a much better environment, you know? So, like, they're talking about a midseason tournament. Do that in the bubble environment, right? I think that could be amazing for not only hyping up the regular season and, like, you know, you get midway through the regular season, you have the all-star break. Sure. And either you have, like, the push to the playoffs after that. But, yeah, we truly, you know, get to the heart of the regular season. And nobody really gives a fuck about it anymore, you know? So I think that would be something that would bring another uh, element of hype and life back into the regular season. I believe it. Um, There's one other thing that I wanted to get off um, about uh, recent events. So... We've seen the Celtics. We just talked about um, the Heat. Also, the Celtics were in that bubble and went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Danny Ainge, out. Brad Stevens, bumped up from head coach to team president. What are your thoughts on that move, and do you think it was the right one? Uh, Fuck Danny Ainge, first and foremost. (laughs) Um. So I actually am I, – I didn't know the whole Brad Stevens thing was real. So Brad Stevens is no longer the head coach. He's only going to be uh, president of basketball operations for the Celtics. I believe that is correct. 
I think that's an interesting move. Maybe inside it might be better long-term for the Celtics organization because Brad Stevens has been there and he is probably, you know, someone that's uh, looked upon positively in the organization. But if you ask me, that's a damn good basketball coach you just lost right there. I don't know how good his uh, basketball operations will be compared to how good of a coach he was. Uh, me personally standing, so I'm not sure if that's the right move, but I definitely think fuck Danny Ainge is absolutely <laughs> on par. I mean, Danny Ainge, you're in, I mean, Brooklyn right now. This is the sweetest event you could possibly get, right? Like, am I right? <laughs> how many picks- I think you're walking on sunshine, I guess. How many picks did... He robbed from them for how many years? Now you're sitting on top of the East with the best team in the East. Well, you know, best team in the East, not by record, but, you know, by talent. With seemingly a cakewalk to the finals and your boys that robbed you <laughs> down bad, out the playoffs. President getting fired. Coach on the hot seat so they promote him. <laughs> You know, I'm on the fence about it because when you look at it from that the Joker like point of view, (laughs) (laughs) um, fucking wow, how the tables have turned, ain't it? Right? (laughs) Holy shit! All those picks that you gave for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, what did they do with them? (laughs) Shot them into the ground, Jason Tatum, apparently. Man, you know that Leonardo DiCaprio meme that's been going Trading around? for Kyrie. <laughs> that's how they're looking right now. That Nets oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot. That is insane. Oh Holy I, shit. I'm all for the long play. Like, yes, play the long game. Laugh at these niggas years later. I Absolutely. <laughs> wow. That is the ultimate. Ultimate, dog. Oh All these reasons God. I'm listening are exactly why it would have to happen, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Turn it up. I needed it bad. Danny Ainge out of here, man. <laughs> I think Brad Stevens, as a coach, did. It was only one season I think he truly underperformed, um, or it was like. Underachieve, I should say, not underperform. He's a coach. He didn't, he didn't perform. But, uh, and that was the year after, was it 2018? The year Kyrie was supposed to come back, right? Yeah. I think that, that was his only true disappointment. Obviously, 2017, that 2017, 2018 year, they went above and beyond, took LeBron to seven games with Terry Rozier and company, rookie Tatum. Uh, that, I think, was probably going to be his hallmark job as a coach um but yeah but not getting that team over the hump where i could even say the bubble last year was his most disappointing job because by all means i think they were the better team they should have beat miami but like you said miami i guess just caught them at the right time uh really made no sense to me why they couldn't uh why they couldn't stop jimmy butler and goran Dragic, duncan robinson 
was good. That's not me. No, no, that's not me. You know, an indictment against Doug Robinson. He's a certified, you know, shooter. He pulls. But I'm saying, like, watching that series, it was like, come on, Brad, you got something for this, right? Like, it's not like an untold like secret or some shit. Like, no, like you see exactly what you're getting every night. And you well, weren't doing shit about it. He you know? just caught everyone by surprise. And it was one of those scenarios where you can't just surprise they can stop you on both Not sides. Three, four, and five, six. <laughs> I mean, shit, when they're playing as hot as they were, I mean, the Miami Heat were hot. And yeah. they had a group of defensive stalwarts. I mean, that's where you get the scenarios like, oh, shit, Bam Adebayo could be the next young and up-and-coming to change the way basketball is played, you know, small big men, Jimmy Butler leading the life of, you know, down in South Beach, fuck teammates, you know, all these people love me. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, like the new Splash Brothers, like featuring mayonnaise. Like, it's just one of those <laughs> scenarios where everyone was just on fucking fire at the right time and they had all the right things going for them. And honestly, they had an easy route, an easier route than you could have really hope for you had some things going on with every single team that they played up to the finals. Okay. I'm just not a hundred percent sold that is on I understand why Ainge is out, right? Because the last like I said four seasons you had that team young on the cusp. You did not do anything to advance that from a GM perspective, right? You had Kyrie, lost Kyrie. You picked up Kimba lost Rozier, that looks fucking terrible. You had Rozier, or not Rozier, you had Hayward. Didn't work out. You didn't really replace him. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot of improvements that's been done over the last four years. It's, oh, man, I hope they figure it out. I hope Brad figures it out. <laughs> that's not your job. I hope this nigga... No, you give him shit. <laughs> you give him shit to work with. Now, I hope this nigga figures it out. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, I, I mean, why he's out, I just know Brad is the guy to go up into that role. Yeah, I would rather I would rather them do the. You know, they got a couple of guys in. I know it wouldn't happen in the same division, but there's a couple guys in Philly right now. Kind of, I won't say stepping on each other's toes, but they both are experienced. You know, what I'm saying like maybe Elton Brand gets another shot. I didn't think he did a terrible job. No, I, I think that was definitely one of those scenarios where they were just picking and playing anything they could. Whatever hit first was going to stay. You know, I don't think he did a terrible job either. I, who oh. knows? But I definitely can agree that in both scenarios, is Brad the right option? And what are you going to do to fill his position anyway? Yeah, now you got it. Well, now you is a coach, a new coach. Maybe just blow it up. Is Tatum well, how, up? Can you blow it up? It Tatum hasn't been has, he hasn't been extended yet, has he? Uh yeah, I think he has. Did he get that extension already? I think Brown got it, didn't he? Did they not extend both? No, you're right. Jason Tatum is still on his rookie contract. So yeah, um. Well, yeah, I guess that's what you got to do, but that's crazy to me because I think you're selling the better of your two, and personally, when you have two that are homegrown like that, you don't want to lose either of them. Money's not an issue, which money is not an issue. <laughs> not um, yet. Uh, not yet. Yeah, Kimba, that's the issue. Can you move him? I don't think, I think so. You, I think you can move Kimba. Well, 
actually, you're right. You can't move Kimba after what's going on right now. At least not for what's that? Isn't he on thirty-two million dollars? I think he's not for one forty. What is it? Four years, one forty. Four years, one forty. So what? That's thirty-five m's. Yeah, I don't know about that one, champ. I don't know about that one, champion. It's uh, I guess you do pull it up. <laughs> it's not a ideal, one would say. No, and it sucks because if you think about anything that you did do right, it's you hit some nice stones in the draft. But then it makes it even worse that you hit some stones. You fumble the optimal bag, and now your situation becomes dire when it doesn't have to be. Because you didn't strike while the iron was hot. It's, it's my, the same philosophy I talk about in the NFL. You know, you, you hit big in the draft. You got all these niggas. You're going to have to pay them all. You have to if you want to keep them. Or, no, you don't have to pay them. They're going to get paid. Yeah, somebody Whether it's by them. you or not. So <laughs> you have to hit while you have them. And these niggas be missing. And then it comes time, well, oh, well, who we got to pay now? Well, fuck it. You just miss now. You might as well blow up and do it again if you can. Absolutely. But so, see, now now the mastermind behind the project is out. The new guy is in. Are they that willing to go back into that state again? The Celtics don't strike me as a franchise that's willing to stay at the bottom for long. I think that, that move indicates that they are. I think that move indicates that there's a that's change. You know, change I think that move people. might indicate that they are in over their heads. I think they might be thinking hell yeah, we're about to just move on from Ainge right onto our boy Stevens. Quick transition. No big deal. He's already got the mindset of somebody we like. Bing, bada, boom. I don't think they're looking at it as a, this is the guy we want to rebuild with and he's going to be the eyes behind it. I think they're thinking, this is the eye that can keep us all, you know, along the same track that we're already on. Which, by the way, for outsiders, does not look like a very good track. <laughs> and like I love Brad Stevens. I do too, man. But you looking at that division right now, the Knicks are up. They're on the come uh, up. The net the, the Nets are there. The Nets right? are stuck. Toronto's kind of down. So I mean you're gonna be over them. Toronto's down, but in the, Toronto's down in a scenario where they're not Knicks and 76ers five years ago down, you know? Yeah, and the Sixers. The Toronto Raptors are two years removed from being a championship team, albeit they also struck hot in the draft as well. They're still looking at Pascal Siakam to see, you know, if they can build around him, Fred Van Vliet. I think the Raptors, you know, looking at both teams, if the Celtics did decide to blow it up, could fix their scenario faster than the Celtics because at least they are surrounded by a supportive uh, scenario, per se. You know, the coach is already in balance. They're not looking to blow anything up supremely because they're two years removed. They already got themselves blown up by Kawhi. You know, they didn't have to do anything. <laughs> so, so, let's, so let's just say, like, for you know, hypothetically speaking, you got to choose between Tatum and Brown. You choose Tatum. You pay him. You move Brown for, let's say, two future first-round picks in a in a 3-and-D player, right? How? How do you build? You still have Kimba. 
You're going to need to fill that point guard role soon. Marcus Smart is only going to last so much longer uh, playing the role that he's playing. Um, not a star, but, you know, that little gritty defensive, I rebound, I hustle, I get hustle buckets here and there. You know what I'm saying? I run the fast break. How long is Marcus Smart going to do that? How, how long are you going to, you know, keep these pieces right now? This is a, a team that, in essence, is four or five years old now, right? Well, that's also a question of how long do you need Marcus Smart to do that? Um, they've got you they don't have to, to end the, there. You've got, you know, Grant Williams. You've got Romeo Langford. You've got pieces to start from the bottom with already if you're trading for capital to also build on. You know, you've got your star player, Jason Tatum, right? right. You've got a few pieces, you know, the – Jabari Parker's on the Celtics, right? Uh, you've got Tristan Thompson. You know, you've got Evan Fournier. You've got those guys that have been around that can play veteran-type roles, and you've got some young guys to start with. It's obviously not an ideal situation, but I think for starters, you know, if I had to look at certain scenarios and, like, pick my poison for who I want to build my franchise team with or, you know, as a GM, what scenario do I want to walk into? I don't think it's a bad scenario to walk into, given what the situation could be, you know, as a team that's already five years into a window that's never really fully open, the top is leaving and they're rebooting, per se, the culture. I don't think you need Marcus Smart to stick around, you know? I think if you're going to blow it up, you change everything about what you've got going on. And even if you did, you're still starting off better than most because you have a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown that you can build off of. Now, I know you guys are Jalen Brown fans. I personally don't think choosing him to be the build as your number one would be the best option, but that's just me. He's a number two to me, but he's a as high of a number two as you can get. I think Jalen Brown can be a number one, but I don't think – I'm talking about – championship level i don't think right. be your number one on a championship level team i think he can I think jason tatum can one. be yes exactly that so that's that's one thing the difference is. i think jalen brown can definitely be a number one on a playoff team a team that makes the playoffs i think jason tatum can win you a fucking ring absolutely that's my thing now if they figure it out with the both with both of them there i mean that's heaven on earth you can make that arrangement work I think you have to, or you blow it up. Right. But, like, it's, it's simply that. And I think figuring it out with them is nothing short of, like, an, an almost immediate championship run or championship-caliber team fit for a run. Because you've got two guys that, me personally, when you have two combative spirits like that, I don't think they can play together through their peaks at their best. You know, I don't think it's the best scenario to even have that happen unless you get it immediately. Right. Two, three years from now, we're going to be looking at what could have been with both of these guys, and you might have yourself a 2013-2014 Oklahoma City Thunder situation. Mm. I, I think this is very much in that same realm. And look at the Thunder now. <laughs> I mean – Shout out Shay. Talk about ripped into goddamn pieces. Shout out Shay. Yeah, shout out Shay. 
But shout out my boy Steven Adams. My favorite part of all of this is this is Brad Stevens' job and not mine. So figure that shit out, man. It's crazy how you move from figure from being the guy who was supposed to figure it out, but really it wasn't your job, to like being the actual guy who's supposed to figure it out. And oops, now it's really your job. <laughs> yeah. So figure it out, man. Uh, yeah. I'll be watching. Uh, yeah, that's kind of all I had for this. Any final thoughts, concerns, shout outs? Uh, shout out to my dog Solo. Shout out to Devin Booker. Shout out to my dog Greg Anthony, and fuck Chris Webber. Yes, yes, very well placed, very well placed. <laughs> yeah, man, Corey Williams, who gave good words to Coach K, Hubert Davis as well. Class move. Love it. Here for it. And, uh, oh, yeah, if uh, I didn't say this in the beginning, but I'll say this now. If Duke does not, in fact, win a championship this year, one, Coach K didn't cheat hard enough. Two, it will be fuck R.J. Barrett for life, for pissing away that nigga's last ring. Life. All right. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Pickup Podcast. We out. (laughs) Fuck R.J. Barrett.